Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Jed, how would you assess Kyle Hendricks? He's been one of my favorite Cubs players to be around since we got here. We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. It is Gabe Ramirez on a Tuesday night, watching playoff baseball on the TVs right in front of me and wishing I was at home watching the Cubs. See, because I wouldn't be working. See, Tyler, don't look at me like that, man. Saying nice things about the Cubbies. Listen, let's be very clear. Chicago is a much better place, as is the country, when the Cubs are in the playoffs. Everyone knows that. And we get a chance to talk to someone who's followed the team all year long and does a fantastic job at it, covering the Cubs right now, or the season's over, uh, for the Chicago Tribune, and joins us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. It is none other than Megan Monomoro. Megan, good to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. So when you're looking at what Jed Hoyer has said and, you know, in his post-post press conference, one thing that stood out was a quote that you tweeted out, actually. And he said, painfully, we did not finish the race. You can't call something that falls short of your goal a success. You covered the team. In your personal opinion, would you call this year a success? No. I mean, I think when you look at how close they were to making the postseason and and really should have given their position, you know, with three weeks left, um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly disappointing if, if you're the Cubs, especially the way that they recovered from a really bad May and early June. It looks like their season was completely dead and, you know, heading more towards 90 loss territory and for them to turn things around and, and post one of the best records in baseball from mid-June to early September, you know, is really impressive. But, you know, kind of like what Hoyer said, um, you know, you can't really call this success when ultimately things are um, evaluated based on postseason appearances and then from there, you know, World Series titles. So, yeah, I mean, coming that close to achieving what they wanted to achieve is, is certainly painful for them. And, you know, you, you definitely heard that from talking to, you know, coaches, players um, that weekend in Miami or um, in Milwaukee, sorry, that, um you know, they were so close and, and really should have beat out either Miami or, or Arizona for one of those last two spots. Yeah, I'm glad that you pointed out the fact that, you know, th- this team itself had some moments during the season. And I'm I'm curious if the narrative changes, if the timing of wins changes, you know. Let's say they, you know, instead of a super hot streak post-All-Star break, let's say they were lukewarm and then that reverses and they got hot towards the end of the year but barely missed the playoffs. Like the, I wonder if momentum or the narrative or would it still feel this way? Because, I mean, I get it. If you're this close, it's so hard to get into the playoffs. So if you're this close, missing it by, you know, X amount of games is most certainly uh, deflating. But 
I don't know. As a Sox fan, I look at the season and I'm like, man, there were some great takeaways, right? Where you look at like a, a guy like Cody Bellinger having a re- resurrected year. Um, you know, Albert Alzale solidifying the closer position. Stroman being exciting at the beginning of the year. Your defense living up to its hype. Hit or misses on some of the young people, right? But I, again, I I guess I'm, I'm looking at it a glass half full where I see this team and I, and I do point out some of the bright spots. Yeah, I think there are definitely bright spots, you know, to be noted within the season that, you know, set them up well for 2024 and beyond. I mean, I think the biggest one is Justin Steele looking like a legit ace. I mean, he took the previous offseason seriously. He moved to Arizona, um, took his conditioning and, and, and workout routine into spring super seriously to improve his conditioning. And, I mean, you saw that over the course of the season. You know, he wasn't getting – red face and fatigued in the fourth or fifth innings. And it seemed as the year went on and as some of his starts went on, he got better as, as games and the year went longer. Um, and so he, he's definitely the kind of guy that obviously is a homegrown talent. That's a really encouraging development. Um, what Saya did Suzuki over the final two, two yeah. plus months. Um, I mean, in September, I mean, he was really one of the few guys once they hit that three week slump. I know he had that, devastating missed catch um, in Atlanta, but like offensively, he was really carrying that team when most of the guys were really struggling. I mean, his numbers outside of um, Acuna were like the best in the league over that span. So like that's super encouraging, Um, you know, seeing what Nico and and Dansby did defensively up the middle um, and the consistency they provided there. And, And some of the young guys that got some opportunities, Christopher Morell, you know, if they can find him a permanent position um, somewhere where, you know, you can slot him in better. I mean, he's one of the few guys that kind of has that quick strike offense in his bat. And you mentioned some of the, the other pitchers like Alzla. I mean, there, there is a lot of encouraging things, which I think adds to some of their disappointment in that they, they had so many things go right for them, um, most notably Bellinger you know, looking more, looking like his, his MVP form again, uh, and to not capitalize on that with a, with a postseason appearance. And, and you never know what can happen once you get in the postseason. Um, that, that adds to the, to the frustration and the disappointment of how their year ended. There most certainly was some sort of glow surrounding the team all year long in whatever capacity. And it, the, the, the glow was, was, ignited or, or inflamed even more by certain players throughout the season. So I, I do agree with you. You're right. With all that, you would think it was probably like a made for a storybook ending. And they, they, they certainly would have loved the opportunity to do that. We're talking to Megan Montemurro, uh Cubs beat writer at the Chicago Tribune here on 670. The score. I am Gabe Ramirez. You mentioned Cody Bellinger a second ago. Are the Cubs going to do everything to bring back Belly, or is it is it still going to be a calculated approach to re-signing him if they do? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it depends on what, what you think of as everything. I mean, I would certainly expect them to be involved. You know, he was a great fit in the clubhouse. He added a more loose, laid-back, fun um, personality to a clubhouse that has some very serious um, personalities in there. Like, you, you need some someone that is lighthearted, um, that also provides some veteran leadership, and he was just really an ideal combination of that, even obviously beyond what he adds to their lineup as a lefty slugger and plays two positions that are very valuable for how their 
um, roster is currently constructed. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, the reality is, you know, Cody Bellinger is a client of Scott Boris and a lot of, uh, or more, most of Boris's marquee free agents each off season usually don't sign until pretty late into the off season. And the Cubs are not going to be in a position in, in my opinion of being able to wait out until who knows, January or early February to see what Bellinger ultimately decides. Like they're going to have to move on to their other plans. Like this is a team that, you know, they have a path to, to getting better. And there's obvious areas where they can address some roster deficiencies and they can't really let it be held up by Bellinger waiting out the market and seeing how it evolves. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I definitely think there is a fit, you know, Bellinger talked a lot about how much he's loved playing in Chicago and with the Cubs and obviously something connected well between him and the Cubs major league hitting um, coaches and, and how they work together and were able to help him, you know, with his swing and lock in the consistency. Um, so, you know, there has to be, a, you know, he's talked about the comfort of, of them knowing him so well at this point a year in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, ha- that that has to be attractive to Bellinger. Um, but I just think it's going to be, it's going to be a tough waiting game of, you know, if he doesn't sign, you know, by end of December, um, you know, you would think the Cubs have to consider other options. <laughs> right. How you can know? you construct the team if you don't know what's going on with Cody? Right. That's going to be exactly. the tough part. Right. And I think that, man, it's such a tough thing because this offseason is going to be an important one. I mean, because there are certainly holes in the Chicago Cubs team. But, Megan, in your mind, what, what would you say is should be the number one or, or what is number one on the offseason priority list? I mean, I think it would be Bellinger because he fits multiple needs between positional. Um, he gives them a lefty hitter. He's a slugger. Um, you know, coming off of a full season, he's starting to redevelop that track record. So, I mean, I think he's right at the top. And then whether you re-sign him or not, like you need a second power hitter. You know, like they talked about it coming into this season, that they didn't have enough home run hitters, enough power where they had the potential to score in bunches, even though they've been really good at not needing home runs to find success. But like, you know, you see how valuable that is for some of the best teams, including ones that are in the playoffs. So they really need a second power hitter to either complement Bellinger or a second one to replace Bellinger. So like they need, they need two more power hitters. Um, And then positionally, I mean, you look at third base, um, you know, I know they, they were platooning it between, you know, Patrick wisdom and then Nick Madrigal and they just need some more offensive consistency. um, And, and maybe they try and go the trade route to address something like that. Same, same at first base, like find some power, either try and find it through a stopgap in free agency um, or you try and find someone through trades. I know obviously Pete Alonzo's the the big name out there about whether the Mets will move him or not um, with one year left on, on until he reaches free agency. So those are kind of the most obvious areas. And then lastly, I mean, the bullpen, like they, they need more experienced depth. Um, they, they need some more proven guys to supplement um, some of the arms that gained more experience in high leverage spots this year. So they definitely have a couple areas that they have to address. That most certainly will make them a more formidable team, Megan. And I and I try to think about this Cubs squad, and I say to myself, okay, well, what does the next couple of years look like? And you talked about it earlier um, when we were chatting that there is 
you know, level A and get to the playoffs, right? And then there's level B. Once you're in the playoffs, then it's compete for a championship at a high level. It, what what is that next step for the Cubs? Is, is it just get to the playoffs, or or do you think the Cubs, or do you feel like the Cubs have a team that, or at least a foundation of a team that they can build on to be championship ready next year? I mean, I, I think to again, their their kind of approach or philosophy right now with where this roster is at is they have the type of talent to get into the postseason, which they felt they should have done this year, and that once you're in you know, with some of the experienced players they have, like, who knows what could happen. You can go on a run. Um, you know, they're they're not going to be on that Atlanta Braves level tier um, of offensive destruction. I mean, Jed Hoyer talked about that today. That's like, that's not going to be something that they can create in one offseason, um, how difficult that is. And that you first want to need to build a team that gets you to the postseason um, and then build off it from there. I mean, they've talked about the core that they have. I mean, you, you have like a three-year window right now where, you know, you have Ian Happ, Nico Horner, Shea Suzuki, you know, to go along with Dansby Swanson and his long-term contract. Like they have a core that they know that they want to build around. And now it's finding the right pieces that not only complement the guys that they already have, but that do help them elevate and get to that next level, which is, you know, first get into the playoffs, try and make some runs off of the, make a run off of that in 24 um, and then continue to build off of that, both with internal development um, through their farm system, but also, you know, what they can add outside. Yeah. It's just so tricky, right, Megan, because like the, the, the team that's in place certainly, you know, could have made the playoffs. And then, so the assumption is you just build on that. The problem is like, we've been talking about this whole interview is that there's that Cody Bellinger component, <laughs> Like, if you don't get him, then you almost take two steps back, and then you have to kind of build off that again. So this is a, it's a tough tough predicament for the Cubs to be in, but I, I feel confident. I think the front office has done a great job just showing and proving to everyone, not only the fans but in the organization, but the coaching staff and the players, that they're willing to do whatever it takes in in the present to, make, to give them the best opportunity uh, to win. Megan, let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, we're at the end of the season now. What, give me a highlight and a low light for you covering the team i mean obviously you saw so many games so i'm sure it's probably yeah. difficult to sift through but if you can think of a highlight something that was just like a good great moment for you and then just like a super low light for you i, I would love to hear that because you know not many people get to know what it's like covering a, a team like the cubs all season long yeah i mean i think like for for a highlight i think two plays that really stand out to me are mike talkman's game ending home run robbery in st louis mm-hmm. and then christopher morell's walk off homer against the Sox, like those moments were so big to ensuring that the, that Jed Hoyer did not sell at the, at the trade deadline. I mean, they were very close to, to breaking things down and trading Bellinger and those two plays in that, you know, two week buildup in particular were just so huge and memorable. Um, and then I think probably the low light, I mean, it was hard to believe watching it happen in person, but say I'm missing that fly ball, like, I mean, with them going into Atlanta, you know, the the one thing that they could not let happen was to get swept, and then they did. And that one play really epitomized not only, obviously, that series, but just, like, everything that had gone wrong from, you know, not being able to pull out that 13-inning game in Arizona and just not being able to take advantage of playing the Rockies on the road. Um, but I think that that play that, that Sarah wasn't able to make, which, you know, 
he he continued even on like the last day of the regular season when we talked to him, like was bringing it up on on his own, like talking about how upset and bothered by he by it that he he still was and and would be into the off season. Like it was that was just such a kind of like that nail in the coffin feeling of like how did they come back from this and can they and ultimately they couldn't. Yeah, those are definitely some standout moments. I mean, <laughs> you're looking at those, you know, highs and lows. You're like, yeah, you think about the Cubs season, and it most certainly is that. Well, Megan, I uh, hope you get a couple weeks off, at least a little bit, to go enjoy yourself. Uh, long season, but fantastic job. I love I love speaking to you uh, throughout the entire thing. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Megan Montemurro from the Chicago uh, Sun-Times. Make sure you guys – excuse me, Chicago Tribune – Make sure you guys follow uh, her on Twitter, M underscore Monte Moro. That's two R's in that as well. Uh, you got a highlight, low light, Tyler? I know Tyler's our, uh, one of our Cubs fans here at the score. You got a highlight, low light for the team? Don't think too hard over there, buddy. Uh, low light missing the playoffs. I mean, yeah, that's a given. I mean, that was for them blowing that and having a chance to make the playoffs. But, I mean, I guess highlight is... There was progression from last year. Like, we actually did see. Of course. Um, it's not like they went worse as, you know, the Bears did. Um, but they got they got better. So, so and they actually made a, uh, they became buyers in the trade deadline. And so, that was kind of made it more exciting. And then they turned it around. So, yeah, I'm just, I am excited to see what they do in the offseason. Yeah, I think, I think the highlight has to be, not has to be, but I'm saying like one of the highlights for me, when I'm thinking about the Cubs season as a whole, the Atlanta series. Where, you know, I was like, oh, a tough, tough schedule at the beginning of August or whatever month it was. And then they go handle business against that. And the low light was the, the series against the Mets. Like, yeah, we, within weeks of each other. There was plenty of those series where they're like, you were like, oh, man, they need to win this, but I don't think they're going to win this. Yeah. And then the ones that they're like, this should be a breeze. And so they baseball. Blow it's it. not even baseball. It's just sports. That's just, yeah, that's, that's just exactly sports. why I said the Bears aren't going to get the first pick in the draft. They have a 57% chance to get the first pick in the draft right now. They're not going to do it because other teams are going to get hurt or keep sucking, and the Bears are going to be tryhards. And they're going to try so hard a couple of times. They might end up with, like, four. And then, like, you know, win, like, two two of the last. Because if you look at the last couple of weeks of the season, it's like Atlanta, Arizona, and Green Bay. Like, watch the Bears go on a three-game win streak to end the season. To get themselves out of the number one pick, just because ah, it's a stretch, bruh. I don't know. Well, well, let's say let's let's just say first of all, Arizona is just like the Bears, trash, right? They're equally Man, as they bad. They handle business with uh, equally as bad as the Bears. They got to win though. Then Atlanta, Desmond Ritter is definitely worse than Justin Fields. Oh, by far, by far, by far, definitely. I want to say by far, <laughs> I'd say definitely for sure, but. They got a good run game and a good defense. And the Bears lost to him last year, too, with Marcus Mariota. Let's not forget that. So then the last game of the season, oh, my God, if Jordan loves playing and they're out of the playoffs and this is his one thing he has to play for, like, you could mess around. Oh, my God. So All right, we're going to talk a little bit more Bears. We're going to hear from Justin Fields, his press conference, um, get some audio from him. We'll also check out some uh, Luke Getze audio. I want to hear – from him, and then some Dave Wanstat audio. You know, I love hearing from the coach and his takeaways because he's always very nice. He never really trashes on anybody. He, he kind of gives everybody the benefit of the doubt. So we'll hear from all of those people next. And 
If you feel so inclined and you're still worked up about the Bears, we'll take your calls as well. 312-644-6767. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You know, it sucks, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, can't control it. And got to go out there with the guys that we have and uh, execute like we did this past Sunday. So, um, you know, wish nothing but the best for Chase. And, you know, I think he knows that, you know, he kind of messed up by kind of saying that. But, you know, wish nothing but the best. He's a talented player. And... He's a great person, uh, has a good heart, and you know works really hard. So um, definitely gonna be staying in touch with them, uh, regardless of what happens. And um, wish them the best. Bears quarterback Justin Fields talking about Chase Claypool right there. It's Gabriel. <coughs> excuse me, Gabriel Ramirez, six seventy. The score. I mean, damn, he knows what he did when he said that. That's. I wish more people would just come on and talk like that. Like, so many people are coming down on. Coach Eberflus because of how he's handled the press conferences regarding a lot of stuff, and it's you, you save yourself a lot of time if you just didn't like skirt around the issue. What's the big deal with saying, "Yeah"? Somebody's like, "Is Chase Claypool? Why did you want him on the team? Is he a distraction?" Yeah, he's a distraction. We are focused, as you saw. We played better on Sunday. Like, why can't we say that? Oh, are you are you worried about his feelings? You worried about his trade value? Newsflash. As hardy as down as it's going to be. It's not going up from here. Let's go to Ray out in Northern Park. Let's take a phone call here. Ray, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Gabe. Good to talk to you. Before I get to my Bears point, real quick thought about the Cubs and their season. It was a success. 160 games counted. I remember when they hired Joe Madden, they talked about that, how he played in so many games that counted. And so they weren't out of the playoffs. They weren't eliminated. And so just take that in perspective. Anyway, I think it's time for um, our big boss man uh, to bring in from office space his version of the Bobs to mm. start evaluating this team. Mm. Maybe I'm just throwing names out like a Mike Zimmer or a Kurt Warner or, or anybody with Brian Billick, anybody. And just kind of ask the guys, what is it that you do here? What is it that you do well? And just kind of have his own Kevin Warren stamp on we're going to evaluate this team and we're going to make this team better. And here are two guys, three guys, four guys. They're going to kind of just watch and observe, not necessarily coach or do anything, but just be with the team. What do you think? Yeah, I love it. I got to be honest, Ray. Thanks for the call. I mean, when I've said it enough times already where, and I go back to what Patrick Manley was saying about the bears after they faced the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Luke Getz is 39. Andrew Janoko is 35. Justin Fields is 24. They're buddies. The guy for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is 45 years of NFL experience. Longer than the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach has been alive. He's been. And so what I said was, I want like the squinty eyed, you know, has three divorces because football's everything in his life. 
like a winky eye and he kind of, hey, I think you guys got to, you know, not to be the head coach. That guy's, he's too crazy to be the head coach. But somebody's going to whip that ass into shape. It's not going to allow you to just do whatever you want. That diva talk like, yeah, you little effing kids over here. You guys just got your spoon fed. You haven't, they don't know what it's like to sweat, huh? Like that, that guy. And so, Ray, when you suggest Kevin Warren bringing a, a, a trio or a quadrant of people to come through, and yes, but you got to be open to stuff like that. A guy like Eberflus needs to be open to that. The players need to be open to criticism. It's difficult. Dif- criticism's tough to take in real time, especially when your skills and your talent have gotten you to the place that you're at right now already. And now you want me to, 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 to not do the stuff that got me to where I'm at and listen to something? It's hard. Man, let's go, to, let's go out to the phone lines again. You got any Bears thoughts? 312-644-6767. Let's go to Don. Don, what do you want to say about these Bears? Hey, how you doing, Gabe? Doing good, man. I, let, I love your list. Every Friday I watch it. Every Friday. Hopefully, Friday, huh? uh, next time you got to kiss the TV. All right, Don, because uh, yeah, on the cheek. Yeah, on the that's, cheek. that's on the TV. I saw it. I, I watched it on the TV, Unleashed. Love it. So what do you guys yeah, say about these bears, I, Don? Let me tell you something. This is, the, this, is, this is the deal. It's not the coach. It's the players. The players, they don't want to play for this coach. They want this, player, they want this coach to be fired. I'm telling you. I watch all these, uh, the games. Even the Denver game, the players are not really good, but they're playing for the coach. That's exactly what's going on. So these players for the Chicago Bears, they're not ready to play for uh, flus no more. That's what they're trying to do. They want to get him fired. That's exactly what's going on. I'm telling you, when they change the coach, you're going to see the, the reaction of the players. And the players, they don't like the way he talks. They don't like the way whatever he does. They don't like it. That's why they're playing that for him. Why somebody's going to lose for... 14 games. That's no, a lot of that, that Don, Don, that is a lot of games right there to be losing in a row. But you bring up a really good point. Do these guys even want to be playing for Eberflus for him? I don't mean for him like this is my boss and I work for this guy. I mean like I'm talking about the have you ever seen a player and I'm sure it's happened, right? I'm sure it's happened. I'm not trying to say it's never happened. But I've never seen it. Like, a player make a good play and run off the field and he's, like, hugging Eberflus like we see some coaches and some players do? No one's done that. I'm sure he's hugged Justin Fields on a play or two for, like, you know, some good thing that's happened. But you know what kind of you, – you, you can visualize it in your brain right now. I'm talking about the, oh, my God, we did it. Oh, my God, we made that work or whatever. You definitely don't see that from an Eberflus. But then again, not many big plays on defense. Not like he's celebrating turnovers. Very rarely getting touchdowns. So those things are few and far between. Uh, let me talk to Lee, Tyler. Lee out in Roscoe Village. When you look at, at Coach Eberflus, do you think he's a guy that commands respect? Lee, you there? Yeah, I'm here. No, I don't. I don't think they. I don't think he commands respect. I don't think he has the respect of his players. 
What 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 did you what have you seen that makes you feel that way? Is there anything in particular you've seen on the sidelines, um, or just or just how they're reacting to him? Well, how they react, how they hang their head, um, they don't. You know, he doesn't ever get excited about anything good you do. It seems, um, and, and I I think in you know everybody likes to be told they're doing a good job, and and he doesn't do any of that. I don't think, but. You know, uh, he should have definitely uh, played that second half different. Thanks for the call, Lee. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's tough, man. There wasn't a lot of movement in that second half. We'll, we'll go over it again right now. Um, but I do want to talk about one thing you said right there, Lee. When you said, you know, people want to hear when they're doing good things. People also want to hear when they're doing bad things. And I think that's okay. And I think Iberflus should add a little bit of that into the salsa. You know what I mean? Into the sasong, into the, 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 the flavor profile of the Bears. So what? You're the coach, bro. We all know what coaches do. They yell at you. They tell you that you're making a mistake. They try to fix it. This is what coaches do. So if you come out and say that someone had a bad game, it's okay. Remember, it's nothing that you're not going to tell the player yourself. Hey, man, had a rough game there today. But I have, but you can always follow up, but I have faith in you. But I know he's one of our top guys, and we're going to keep putting him in that position to succeed because you know what? He failed this week, but next week, I guarantee you're going to get a better Eddie Jackson. Whatever. But be honest with us. Bears are on four, lost 10 straight. Like, you're, don't sell us this dream. And that's what ends up happening. That's what's happening right now. Let's hear some more from Justin Fields because there is a lot of outside noise from myself as well towards Justin Fields. And I'm not saying he's trash. I got to keep saying that because if Justin's listening, he's like, Bobby, listen, if you were my boy, I'd tell you the same thing. You you know you got to play better consistently. So there's a lot of noise on the outside, and Justin Fields talked about said noise. Coming from the outside. I got you. Don't worry about it. We're here. We're playing some Justin Fields audio. 852M. I got you. Well, I think guys in here have done a good job, you know, managing and blocking out the outside noise. So that's kind of been good to see. We just know, we just try to focus on what we can control. And that's what's going on in here. And that's, you know, um, getting ready for Washington and getting ready to play. So. As much as y'all think it does affect us, as much as the media thinks it affects us, um, you know, I know the guys in here are solid. You know, they they bring the same mentality each and every day to work. So definitely proud of those guys, the way they've handled everything and uh, the way they work through it. Listen, I mean, the outside noise is going to exist, but we're all human. And you can say to yourself, like, oh, I don't go on Twitter or I don't. Fine. But you can't tell me that you're oblivious to the, comments that are out there about you from somebody your mom your group chat your, your your girlfriend's your girlfriend's best friend's boyfriend think about that the girl you're dating has a girlfriend whose boyfriend is pissed at you and you hear that too Maggie's like i got you on my fantasy team bro bro come on you hear it speaking of fantasy i mean justin did put up some good stats and he talked about what he'd rather have instead the main thing is you want to win. Uh, 
to be honest, I'd rather throw for 50 yards, three picks, and we still win the game than, you know, what, what happened this past Sunday. Um, at this point, winning is just the number one thing on, on my mind. So I just, I'd rather do that than accomplish any individual goal or individual statistic than that there is. So, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm just trying to get a dub, so. Players are wired to un- and understand that winning equals money. If your team wins, you are going to be viewed as a contributor to, said, to that team, and then you get paid. But they don't care about, not as much, about stats like we do in the fantasy football world or the DraftKings world or whatever it is. But there were some good that came from that game. Let's be very honest, 300 yards. The, the, not even that. You know what? There's nothing statistically that came out of that game that is the most important for Justin Fields. The best thing that came out of that game for Justin Fields was the level of comfort he had. Like, the fact that he knows he can get to that level. Oh, this is what I, I – like, come on. Justin Fields most certainly went back and watched the tape and said to himself, like, damn, why, what was I, why was I operating at such a high level here? Who knows? Maybe he studied for the test. Your first 20 scripted plays, he knew them very well. And therefore, it wasn't a surprise, so he was able to execute those and then got a rhythm. Second half, you have to play on the fly a little bit, make adjustments. Let's live in the second half for a second, because I know a lot of Bears fans are talking about that. And I touched on it as well, saying that like it's the tale of two halves. When in actuality, it's the tale of three quarters. Justin Fields in the third quarter of that game against Denver led a 15-play, 66-yard drive that took nine minutes and 26 seconds. That's damn near the entire third quarter. So it was a three and out for Denver. Bears go on the 10-minute drive to score the touchdown. And then to end out the third quarter, the Broncos go on a seven-play, 74-yard drive that takes four minutes to score a tutty before the quarter is over to make it 28-14 Bears. Yeah, 28-14 Bears. So the Bears only had the ball once in the third quarter, and they did what they're supposed to do, go on a long-ass drive, take time off the clock, and score a tutty. So through three quarters, Justin Fields was fine. The problem is that is the fourth quarter, right? 28-14. Bears just went on a 15-play, 66-yard, 9-minute and 26-second drive. Defense sucks, gives up the touchdown. Offense is being tasked up to tutties to just, you know, take a little time off the clock, maybe score a field goal, whatever you got to do. Three plays, five yards, one minute. That's what the Bears did to start the fourth quarter. Went on a three-play, five-yard drive that lasted a minute and 13 seconds. Those three plays, just so I can remind you. Roshan Johnson got to give him his carries in the fourth quarter, right? That makes sense. Ran to the right for two yards. Then Justin Fields had a design quarterback run for three yards. Then Justin Fields, incomplete pass to Cole Komet. Bam, bam, bam. That's bad. Brutal. Give the ball back to Denver. And on back-to-back possessions, 10 plays, 63 yards, 4 minutes, 20 seconds, at least they're consistent, put up another tutty. Bears get the ball again. Oh, damn. Got to do something here. Four plays, decent four plays. Justin Fields. A little toss to Khalil Herbert. Got to get him back in since Roshan Johnson didn't do anything. Last one. Second and three, Khalil Herbert rushed to the right for a five-yard game. Looking good, guys. Picked up the first down on two plays. 
I think we're going to run this clock. I think we're going to run out the clock. The whole we might. When was the last time the Bears won a game where they ran out the clock? Because that's what I was thinking. End around to Tyler Scott for eight yards. Ooh, that boy fast. Looking good. Sticking with the game plan, Khalil Herbert rushed to the left for seven yards. Four plays, two first downs. Then what do we do? Justin Fields drops back for that terrible play that everyone knows is coming on every team in the NFL. Fumbles for a touchdown. Things are going so well. It was all good just a week ago. Why are we, why are the Bears at that point, seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, got the ball at Denver's 48-yard line. What are you trying to do? Some bootleg for and let Justin throw a touchdown right there? No, why would he do what Obviously, hindsight, you can look back and say that. Anyway, tie game now, and then you're like, damn. I, I, oh, no! <laughs> I, kept telling, I kept telling everyone it was three possessions that Justin Fields was responsible for in the, in the fourth quarter in crunch time that I was giving him crap about. And you realize that it's four. It's the three and out. I didn't account for that. It's the fumble for a touchdown. It's the turnover on downs, and it's the interception. Four possessions from Justin Fields. Wow. All right, I'm going to take a break. Then going to give you some final thoughts about this Commanders game. I'm going to put together a nice little same-game parlay for you. Tyler, look up a couple of pair of props. We're going to do one of those at, to end this thing. Oh, up. I got right. you. I like it. All right, give me, give me two legs, and I'll get two legs over here, and we'll put one together for you. Nice little same-game parlay. Bears, Broncos coming up after this. Don't go anywhere. It's Gabe Ramirez, 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Bears taking on the Washington Commanders on Thursday. If you've been listening to my show, I go on a family road trip every year to watch the Bears play. I was constantly, I was trying, pushing hard for this game. I love Washington, D.C. Thursday night, just perfect. I'm not, you know, I don't have responsibilities for other things. Anyway, so we're going to put together a nice little same game parlay. Did you get, did you pick some legs while you were, uh, while the, the commercial break was going? I think I got a couple, but right. I'm just going right. back. You, you, you go look. And then I'll tell you what four I have in the in the books right now. All right, go for it. Actually, I have five. Damn it. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, five. All right. Five-legger right now, and we haven't even added Tyler. You're two legs. I'm going to subtract. This is what you do. You put in all the ones you like quickly, and then you subtract because obviously you know they're not going to hit. Uh-huh. Um, let me look up this one stat on this one guy to make sure this is right. But first I have Darnell Mooney over three receptions. Or excuse me, over two and a half receptions. Now that Chase Claypool is gone, Darnell Mooney's back in his bag. Let's be very clear. He is going to create separation. Justin Fields feels comfortable. He doesn't have to force the ball to Chase Claypool anymore. He can find um, Mooney in rhythm. So I have over two and a half catches. And if he has over two and a half catches, he most certainly has at least 31 receiving yards. So I'm hoping for three catches, 31 yards. That's, okay. that's right in my window. I like it. Then... Running back Brian Robinson for the Washington Commanders. He, in every game that he's caught a pass so far, he's got at least six yards. And the over-under for his receiving yards is six and a half. In. Bears secondary, banged up. He might catch a pass and just run for eight. That's my third leg. Fourth one, Justin Fields over 46 and a half rushing yards. 
And I'm that one I'm probably gonna take out just because I just don't know what's gonna happen. They got good defense though, so you might take off and run. That know? one's tough. He hasn't been running a whole lot lately. <clears throat> but the commanders have a good defense, so they, exactly he might just take off. They might tell him, like, oh. "Bro, take off." You like, know what I'm saying? Have to run. And then the last leg is Sam Howell, quarterback for the Washington Commanders, over 12 and a half rushing yards. Why you say? That's why I had to go look it up real quick. Because Sam Howell in every game so far, every game, he's rushed for at least 11 yards. So he's 11, 13, 18, and 40. Those are his rushing totals. And the over-under sitting at 12 and a half. Is it because the Bears aren't going to get any pressure so he's not going to need to run ever? Damn. That's why. If they, that's the case, God, that's a sad reason to only give him oh, 12 and a half. It's the only one I could think of as to God. why he wouldn't reach it. if he, Like, why would the odds makers make that? All right, what are your two legs? What you got for me? All right, I like Brian Robinson anytime touchdown. Ooh. I mean, come on. He's been killing it. Okay, okay, I'm here for that. And then. I hate the anytime touchdown scores because it's just like you're banking on a touchdown instead of like. Yeah, a, no. Like in the fourth quarter. I can still hope Darnell Mooney gets two catches for or three catches for thirty yards on like a fourth quarter drive. I have like I, it's like love hate relationships with those props because like yeah. so they seem like they're supposed to be givens. Like come on, he could score. Okay. All right, what else you got? That's uh, second, second one. What you got? Let's see. Oh no, where'd it go? I like Khalil Herbert over forty and a half rushing yards. I like. Uh, they got to get a rushing defense. They do. That's my thing. That's the, and but the Bears he, might be passing. He's good forever. at going outside. If he can get out and create uh, space. Okay. If we were only to, forty-five. If we were to go with that, you'd we'd be at plus twenty-nine hundred. Hundred bucks wins us casi three mil. That's a good one. I'll leave it there and then text in because I'll be here for another five minutes. Text in which one of those is going to lose, and then we'll take those off and then we'll place a bet on it. Brian Robinson over six and a half receiving yards. Darnell Mooney over two and a half catches. Darnell Mooney over 30 and a half receiving yards. Justin Fields over 46 and a half rushing yards. Brian Robinson, anytime touchdown score. Clear Herbert over 44 and a half yards rushing. Sam Howell over 12 and a half yards rushing. Got to thank my guests today, Megan Montemurro, Anthony Heron, and of course, Chris Russell from the Washington Commanders beat. Got to thank my producer today, Tyler Buterball. Oh, I thought we had a sound. Oh, I can get one. One sec. All right, I'll do that again. You're the producer, so if I'm late, it's your fault anyway. Got to thank my producer today, Tyler Buterball. Buterball is all one name. <laughs> I wish he would have said Buterball. Tyler Buterball. Oh, oh, he did. I love it. That's great. Uh, all right. Next time you hear me on your radio will be tomorrow. I'll be at the Chicago Fire game. So Grody got me there, 6 to 9. Uh, so Friday, I'll be on with Clay Harbor. Make sure you hang out with me then. All right, mi gente. That means my people. Hasta la próxima. That means until next time. If my guy Jay from Rapid Relocations is leaving because he's on his way home. He's got to be. He's driving to Justice. He just finished unpacking my house. Sir, I appreciate you a ton. Thank you very much. All right, I'll call you in a second. All right, mi gente. Hasta la próxima. I am Gabe Ramirez, and this is Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score.